Welcome back to another episode of Into the Airbnb, where we talk with Airbnb hosts about their short-term rental experience. Today's guest is Laura and Chira, based in Medford, Oregon, who manages 13 listings, including one in Alaska. And in this episode, she'll tell us about her particular story of how she got started as a host, her journey on Airbnb, and some useful tips and insights of her areas. This episode is sponsored by Airbnb, the only one analytics dashboard for short-term rental investors and managers, where you can find precise Airbnb data such as occupancy rate, revenue, average daily rate, and so on. So, without further ado, let's get into it. So, can you tell us how did you get started on Airbnb? Yeah. Um, funny enough, I was on an airplane flight and I, I've had regular renters for about 10 years and I was on a flight going somewhere and a lady was just showing me Verbo and Airbnb and telling me about the business. Um, and I had, I gotten a lawsuit with a tenant in California and it was just really ridiculous and unfair. I mean, I won in the end, but it was so difficult that I decided to list one of my properties on Airbnb. I listed my own home actually on that flight home. I'm like, sure, let's do this. I listed my own home and within a day, I had like six bookings on my own home. So I had to go home and tell my husband, uh, by the way, I rented our house out. Um, and that was the beginning. And I ended up selling all of my, I had about five regular rentals and I decided to sell all the rentals and um, move all of my property up to Oregon. Mm -hmm. and start buying houses up here oh my and how did your husband react to that sudden change he was good he's used to me doing things like that um mm -hmm. we have one child and we ended up moving into our rv for a little while and we would we had three houses at the time and we would just we were jumping between houses and the rv we ended up having uh, 13 puppies so the 13 puppies two cats and my son and my husband and I just moved around a lot the first year. We sacrificed a lot the first year so that we could get what we want, you know, get to where we wanted. Oh my, and how was like the first uh, month experiencing the short-term rentals? Um, it was actually really hard. The And what I know now in hindsight is when you first start, you don't necessarily get the best renters because you don't have that history of reviews. Uh, and so we found that as we grew and as we grew in our reviews, we were able to get better renters. But that first month was, um, it was pretty tough, actually. We were, we live in a, in a town that has a lot of um, weed and marijuana sales. And a mm -hmm. lot of people. And so there's a lot of guys that come up here for the business. And um, we were dealing with our house getting kind of beat up a lot. So it was it was tough, but I, I loved it. <laughs> and didn't you think of giving up while those hard times? Um, I didn't because I'm not much of a giver upper, but I definitely mm -hmm. had to ask a lot of questions and start to figure out how I could make it so it wouldn't stay that way because I definitely couldn't have kept going, you know, with dealing with the parties and the people that we were getting. And again, as I said, it, it started to taper off almost immediately once we started getting good reviews. We raised our prices a little bit. Um, and as soon as we did that, we started getting better 
better renters. So we didn't give up. And, and was that like your only strategy to get good renters or did you also started to run background checks on them or did you get some, how do you say these helps from other hosts in the area? What we did is we got cameras. And mm -hmm. honestly, I know a lot of people, I'm on some Facebook pages and people say, that's an invasion of privacy. That's ridiculous. Don't get cameras. And, and I think that's crazy if you don't have cameras. Um, and I think a lot of people that say that don't actually own houses because when you put your heart and soul and your money into a house and a home, mm -hmm. you don't want it to get destroyed. And hotels right. have you know, hotels have cameras, everywhere has cameras, grocery stores have cameras, there's cameras all over the place. And mm -hmm. once we were able to really, I would say the biggest change we made with how our listing, we kept adjusting our listing. Um, and we were really direct about, you know, we have cameras, if you don't like cameras, this isn't a place for you to rent. And mm -hmm. you will not be allowed if you book for six people, that's how many people can be there. We don't allow extra guests um, at our at our houses. So we just, we, we're pretty strict about who we rent to and we make it really clear um, what our expectations are and make sure it's a good fit with them by telling them, hey, this, this, and this. And if they feel like I sound a little controlling, then they need to go somewhere else. <laughs> oh yeah, that's, uh, I agree with you. There should be cameras on Airbnbs as long as they're not like inside a bedroom or something. Oh, not inside the house at all. Yeah, we just right, have them on right. every door. We have them on every entrance to our property. Um, and, and the trick is making it clear to the guests so that they know because you deal with bad reviews. If people aren't aware, they get more upset. And so I've realized that communication is just absolutely one of the most important things for keeping. We have over 1,500 five-star reviews and Mm -hmm. Part of why we have those is communication, like really making sure the guest knows what they're walking into before they come. Yes, that's right. I agree with you. And after your change, like uh, having cameras in your property, mm -hmm. did you get some guests that maybe were a little bit mad about it or wanted yeah, we, to? I mean, we still get guests that are mad about it, but it, mm -hmm. we, you know, it's just, we don't watch them all the time. I have like 25 cameras. I don't have time to sit and stalk people, but when we right. have people that come in that immediately turn them off or upset about them, we give them the opportunity to leave if they're not happy with them. But for the most part, they, you know, they agreed to it. It's written about three different times in the listing. And we just let them know that this is how we protect our properties. And honestly, if they walk in and they look like normal families on vacation, we don't bother them. And we let them know that we just say, Hey, these are here for the people that want to come in. And we tell them a couple of night, you know, horror stories of what we've experienced. And they seem mm -hmm. to be a little more understanding. And if they're not, then they honestly aren't the kind of guests that we want. If, if they're so afraid of a camera outside that they are freaking out, then we don't even want them in our house. How do you deal with, with that if they um, appear are they checking and they don't like anything about the cameras do you just tell them to um, check out immediately or how? you know we've we've given them the opportunity at times to check out immediately or we just tell them this is what they signed up for and mm -hmm. we, we explain that we're not gonna be you know we don't watch them all the time we don't have time to do that and mm -hmm. we kind of just say it is what it is <laughs> If they're super nice and we see on the camera that they really, if it's like 
you know, a grandma and grandpa and their grandkids, or if they just look like a family that has suitcases on vacation, um, Mm -hmm. we're more apt to be willing, like we'll turn off one of the camera, but keep the parking lot camera on, or, you know, I'm not saying I've never turned a camera off, but we meet them and make sure that we're comfortable with who's in our, our home before we do that. Yeah, sounds great as well that you respect um, their privacy, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'd like to um, make you some questions about the area you're hosting in, most okay. likely the areas, okay? Yeah. So uh, you told me you're hosting in Net- Netford, Oregon, right? Yes. And in Alaska? Yeah, I just have one in Alaska and my sister is running it. So Ooh. I have a house there, but my sister takes care of it. Sorry, oh, my dog. Oh, I my dog's in the background. No problem. So in those areas, how is the seasonality like? Pretty, we have hugely busy summers. We have a lot of lakes and rivers and hiking and so summer, you know, summer weddings. So summer is, we're pretty much booked nonstop. We're booked at about 98% in the summertime. Um, and then in the winter, we stay we stay about 60% booked, I would say. And we lower prices a little bit in the winter, raise them in the summer. Um, but we have four seasons here. And so it, uh, people aren't, we don't even get like solid snow. And so for the most part, people come year round. And what about the one in Alaska? Do you know how is it like in there? Yeah, that one's totally different because it's super um, freezing in the winter. And so a lot of people don't really visit in the winter. So we predominantly do all of our business in May through September. But but we can, we charge a ton in Alaska because huge groups of guys come out to fish. And so when you get 10 guys fishing, paying $700, $800 a night is no big deal because it's only 80 bucks a person. Mm-hmm. And all they want to do is fish. They just stay out in the river all day long. So the house doesn't get, we, I have way, no parties. I never have problems in Alaska. Oh, so that's the only demographic of people you get up there? Uh, I would say about 80% is all fish, people coming to fish. Oh, I yeah. see. That's interesting. I've yeah. never heard about anyone having listings in Alaska before. Yeah, definitely. The so... <laughs> Sorry? Definitely a fisherman's community. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, in Oregon, how is your occupancy rate like in the high season versus the low season? It's about 98% in the high season and about 60% in the low season. Good. Those are good numbers, actually. Yeah. And what is your pricing strategy throughout the year? Um, I have a, I have a base price set for the year that's kind of high. And then I just, I do discounts or I drop it in the winter and then, but I go through and I raise it every weekend that there's a holiday or every weekend that I know there's a big events in Medford. Um, so I just customize it based on holidays and events and lower it in the winter. Are there any particular, um, events? happening there that you especially pay attention to? Yeah, yeah. There's this thing called Boatnik, and it's kind of like a big hippie fest at the lake. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Um, and ev- the whole entire town gets booked solid that weekend. And then the there is a thing called the Brit Festival in the summer where there's concerts at this really nice garden area. And so the Brit mm-hmm. Festival, things get booked up. Um, graduation weekend is massively huge. Um, graduation weekend gets booked up by January and it's in June. Um, mm-hmm. it, I can raise my prices almost one of the highest I can raise in this graduation weekend. Oh, I was just asking about the um, events because some other hosts might be interested in hosting your same town and like to know about those, right? So um, do you use any, um, how do you say these pricing, dynamic pricing solution or do you just price by yourself? I do it myself. Um, I have heard on many occasions that um, the, that like constantly being in your listings, like moving pictures around and taking, like um, changing your prices, just being dynamic in the listing is helpful. And so I just do it myself. For all of your listings? Yeah, for all of them. I just lay in bed at night and look at them. <laughs> Oh, that's and I do it on Airbnb be... and Verbo, so I do it on two platforms. Oh, that must be tiring. <laughs> Some um, people that have like two listings already use pricing <laughs> solutions to help them. Yeah, I'm. I'm just. I have a lot of energy. Um. Yeah, and if you <laughs> know your market properly, it's also very easy to price. Yeah. Great to hear about it. So um, in all these years, I forgot to ask you, when did you start it on Airbnb? Like what, how many years ago was that? 2016, great. Yeah. So um, in all these years being an Airbnb host, huh? what have been your top challenges? The biggest challenges are the people that come to destroy. I mean, when I have, you know, like keeping people from having I have really higher end nice large beautiful homes some of them are on like an acre I have one that's on a five acre property and so people get there and they immediately change all their plans and they think oh let's have all of our family reunion here let's have our wedding here instead of in the you know at the park or let's so the biggest part is communicating and making sure people understand they can't do that without getting a bad review. <laughs> right. Reviews are the, I, I dislike, I mean, I don't know anybody that doesn't dislike Airbnb's review system because they can come and destroy your house and break things and break all your rules. And I don't let them get away with that. I'd have to stop them. And then they still get to put a review on your account. And so in essence, I don't end up reviewing them because I don't want them to review me back. And so it's a really twisted system that doesn't work because hosts don't really let it. I mean, if, if you know what you're doing, you don't, you don't leave a review for a bad person because then they'll give you one back. And so it doesn't give us a true understanding when there's bad guests. Oh, so you're the kind of host who's not afraid to uh, give them a bad review? No, I don't. I, I don't give them a bad review because the way the system works, if you give them a bad review, then it's going to send them an email saying, hey, this person left you a review. It sends them a reminder to leave you a review. 
And if it was a bad experience and I had to kick them out or I had to kick their friends out or I had to go over and talk to them, I don't want to review for them because they're going to leave me a bad one because they'll know that I left them a bad one. So it's just a big game. I mean, in my eyes, it's, it's just a really bad system. Um, they should, you know, they should be only, they should be not allowing people that have broken policies and you have proof of that. They shouldn't be allowing those people to review in my right. opinion. Right. I understand completely. And what do you think of uh, those hosts who um, just get to do the bad review in the guests, like no matter what, really? I mean, I think it's great that they do it. And I, mm -hmm. I you know, I know people get mad when I say that I don't, but it, unfortunately it tanks your reviews. It makes your reviews bad. Okay. So are there any tips that you'd like to share for other Airbnb hosts? Um, I would just, I mean, I think it's a great business. I love it. And I wouldn't change it for the world. I just, my biggest thing I would say for new people, because if, if they're reading on Facebook or they're looking for advice to be careful who you get advice from, like don't get advice from people who haven't done it or don't own a house mm -hmm. um, and find people that have several houses or that are successful and get advice from the right people, because there's a lot of bad advice out there. And the other thing is, it is your house and you don't have to be afraid to have rules and policies in your own right. house because the destruction, if you don't do that, is it can be really expensive. <laughs> Good. Thank you for the tips. And I'd like to ask you about your experience managing several listings. How did it change from like your very first start, managing just one listing, sorry, uh -huh. to now managing 13 of them? And, and what was the question? Like, what's the difference? Yes. How has your experience changed? Um, I would say just, you know, just the time when you have a lot more, you're scheduling a lot more housekeepers, you're scheduling um, a lot more handyman work. You know, you have to be prepared for damage, little things that you have to go fix, not damage from guests, but just because you own a home. Um, so I would just say time. I mean, I, I sold my, I had another business and I sold my business January 1st of this year. And so now I have a lot more time to dedicate to it, but it's just your to-do list is never, never ending, but it's okay. You just have to knock one thing out at a time. Mm -hmm. How do you deal with uh, getting a good cleaning crew, a good handyman? Um, I would say that's one of the hardest things. Uh, my husband does a lot of the handyman. He works full-time with me. We both work full-time in the business, um, but housekeeping is very difficult and <laughs> you just have to treat them like gold, which they are. And mm -hmm. you have to pay them what they're worth, I think, and be prepared to fire and hire a lot. I've, I've hired and fired so many times. I can't even <laughs> tell you because it, there's no room for error. Unfortunately with guests, they don't, if you forget to leave soap and shampoo or toilet paper, or you don't clean the refrigerator out, or you don't, empty the dishes out of the dishwasher, the guests will leave you a bad review and reviews are everything in your Airbnb. Right. So right. not a lot of room for error, unfortunately. Right. And what would be like your strategy to get um, like trustable people for uh, those type of services? 
you know, I don't really have a strategy other than asking around. And I mean, sometimes I even just have to post on Facebook and I will bring three or four people in a week or two and have them, I just throw them to the wolves and see how they clean. <laughs> Cause mm-hmm. there's just no way of knowing. And you know, the big thing right. too, is that they start off well. And then within a few weeks they start slack, you know, not putting that same effort in. Um, and so we're just, again, we have cameras and if they're all of a sudden leaving in an hour when it should take three hours to clean, we mm-hmm. just have to call them on it. Unfortunately, it's a lot of confrontation in Airbnb. You have to be comfortable with confrontation, um, mm-hmm. or you're not going to have fun. <laughs> right. Yeah. I understand completely. So, um, that'll be it for the day. Thank okay. you for your time and thank you for your tip. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Into the Airbnb. We are looking for hosts and other people in the short-term rental industry to interview. If you have what we need and would like to share your experience in this podcast, please send us an email. All the info is at the end of the description.